Good to see each and every one of you today. I want to look into the camera and say a big hello, first of all, to all of those that are watching online today. And before I, you clap for them, I just want you to know, I know some of you uh, are battling illness, and that's the reason you can't come to church. Others of you are in other states. Some of you are shut in and not able to come. And I just, I felt prompted to say this today, that you're as much a part of this church as the people that are here in these seats right now. And we want you to know we love you. Come on, Heartland family, help me welcome them to church today. And I wanna welcome my beautiful wife, Kendra, as she comes today. And uh, today is a really important weekend for us uh, as a church. And first of all, so good to see you, sweetheart. Uh, love you and uh, always love being up here with you on any level, because I get a little prettier every time. Uh, but. Uh, I love you. I want Mikey and Carly to come join us for just a second. Today is our back-to-school weekend, and uh, so excited for all those kiddos that are going back to school, all those members of your family uh, that are going back to school. Some of you have uh, students that are headed off to college. I know I have a few weepy parents uh, that I've talked to. I was one of them. You were? But I made it through. You did. We had a junior higher start and a a second grader, so two separate schools, and that was a little emotional until I saw my eight-year-old go, this is my school now. Yeah. I was like, that's right, yeah, baby. Is. This is your school now. Well, Mikey and Carly, first of all, we love you. Thank you for helping us lead the next gen here at HC. Uh, talk to us for just a second about today and why this day is so important for our church. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it all starts with having pastors that love the next gen. So thank you guys for the vision that flows from the top to the bottom. But Today, we really want to celebrate and honor all of our faculty members, our teachers, and all of the students that are going back to school last week and this week. And for all the teachers and faculty members in the room, I want you all to know, in our eyes, you guys are heroes. You are absolute heroes. My mom taught school for 31 years. Both my sister and my wife have taught in public school. And I know what goes into that. I know the long days, the long hours. And uh, just know that you are making such and impact such a difference in these young people's lives, and we are so thankful for you. And students, we're proud of you too. This has been a big week. You had to wake up early. Like, we're so sorry. <laughs> you, I didn't get to sleep in anymore, but in all seriousness, this is a big deal going back. This is your job. Like, you are going to school, and you have the Holy Spirit inside of you to go into your school, to take your school. This is your school, like Brooke said. This is your year to make a difference on your campus, to be used by God, to reach the students at your school, but also to grow and to learn and to flourish in the school that God has planted you in. And we are so, so excited for all that the year holds. And today's a great day here at Heartland, too. Absolutely, today's a great day. And in fact, um, we've got some really incredible things coming up in NextGen. In the next couple of weeks, you're going to hear us talk a lot about some new things in Heartland Kids that we're just not ready to announce just yet, but we can't wait uh, for the next couple of weeks to share that with you. Uh, but for today, one thing we want to celebrate is uh, our junior high ministry. We, uh, we, we have just been blowing the roof out of that loft in there during second service. And so today starts uh, uh, the fact that we are doing junior high in both services, both 9.30 and 11.30. And that's amazing. Shout out to all my junior hires up there. I love you guys. And uh, we just have some incredible events coming up in Heartland Students. And so if you'd like some more information about that, our team will be out in the lobby. There's a big sign that says, ask me about Heartland Students. And we would just love to talk to you guys about it. All right. So 
Uh, Pastor Dusty and Kendra, we would love it if you would just pray over all of our teachers, our faculty members, our students that are all going back to school uh, last week and this week, if that's okay. Absolutely. I, I want to do this for just a second. First of all, if you are a member uh, of a faculty of a school or a counselor or an administrator, I know we have some principals and vice principals, some teachers, not to embarrass you, but just to thank you. Will you just do us a a quick solid, and will you just stand on your feet for just a second so that we can honor you today and just say thank you. We appreciate you so much. And we just want to stretch our hands today and bless every teacher and every faculty member of the school. Father, first of all, we start with them today. And we thank you right now that you have given them authority to be able to go into schools and speak life over children and over teenagers. And we ask right now that you give them godly leadership to be able to touch lives and impact. Give them wisdom to know what to say and how to lead. Yeah, God, you have given them an assignment at their school in their district that they're at. So I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you give them the light that they need. You give them the vocabulary that they need. God, that you're, you give them the countenance that they need as they are dealing with adults and staff and students. That, Lord, you walk with them in their classrooms, in their office. Holy Spirit, be a strong presence in there. That when people walk into that atmosphere, they feel your peace. They know that their classroom, their office is different than any other student or any other teacher. And they wonder why, God. And it's just because of you and how you are faithful. Help us be a church, Lord, that continues to champion all of our teachers, all of our faculty people, and all of our students, God, to support them and encourage them, that every student that walks through their hallways, I thank you, God, that you have put a hedge of protection around them, that, Lord, you help them when they feel overwhelmed, all they have to do is just say, Jesus, and your presence falls there, that you are with them in every single thing that they do. When they feel a moment of, of anxiety, Lord, you let your Holy Spirit win, just gently breeze over them and calm them, and you help them put one foot in front of the other and direct the students to their path, Lord, that you have assigned them to to help lead them closer to you and we thank you for it in the name of Jesus yeah and we just declare over every student that you're a leader yes, you are. you're a champion, champion. You're, you're God's, God's number, number one, one and you're, you're a light to your, your school. school and so That's we right. declare it and we speak it over you today in Jesus yes, name yes, everybody yes. say amen. amen amen thanks guys so much and if you are a junior high student you're dismissed I guess for the very first time to go to your classes and learn and do all the stuff, and so uh, I'm so excited about that. All right, real quick, a couple of things today. Uh, this is one that I'm really excited to tell you about, and it's this Saturday we're doing something we've never done before. And let me just set this up for you. Uh, as you know, we go into our communities and make a difference uh, with our food distributions on the first and the third Saturday of every month. Uh, we've been out in apartment complex as well. Uh, uh, in some of our Spanish-speaking communities that we go into, several people have been coming up to our team and saying, where can we, you know, go to church? Uh, we're Spanish speakers. How does, what, where can we go? And we've been recommending them to go to several churches in the area that, you know, are Spanish-speaking. And there's, they've been saying to us, no, we don't want that. We want to come to your church. Uh, and, uh, and so we're, this is a little bit of a test run for us. Uh, but we are, this coming Saturday, hosting our very first Spanish outreach service here on campus, August 19th at, at uh, Straight Up Noon. Isn't that exciting? 
And uh, this is going to be really cool. It's, it's just a one-time service for now. We're, we're dipping our toes in to kind of see. So if you are Spanish-speaking, if you know somebody uh, that is Spanish-speaking, would like to come and hang out with us, uh, we have some guests that are kind of coming into town to help us from Waco. And so August 19th at noon, that's this Saturday, would love you to, to come. And then we're going to be launching a Spanish-speaking small group uh, this semester here at our church uh, in the fall. Would love for you to join us uh, for that. And then, of course, you heard me mention last week about leading a group. Today is a group leaders training that's taking place after this service over in the student auditorium. Uh, I mentioned this last week. Would love for you to get involved. And then our welcome to church party, August 27th. Uh, God's doing such an amazing thing in our church right now. Would love for you to come and to check us out and to be a part of all that God is doing. Uh, we're so excited about it. And uh, there's a QR code up on the screen that you can check out. Uh, would love for you to join us uh, 6.30 p.m. Uh, actually, I think this is actually 6. I'll verify this to make sure, but uh, it is 6 o'clock. So we would love for you to come to that. And then Seek Week. Come on, everybody. You ready? Next Sunday, we're jumping in. It's going to be great. I can't wait. Uh, I really feel like God has something in store for our church and in store for you. And uh, it's, it's going to be amazing uh, what God is going to do. Uh, I, I just, I, I, I'm believing that we're going to see him move uh, in a way that we've never seen him before. And today I want to prepare your heart for what God is going to do next week as we begin to prepare. Last week was the first year that we had ever done Seek Week. And I want to take a second and explain why we do it. It's not just so that we can put another activity on your calendar. Uh, you're very busy people. Uh, you have busy lives. You guys have a lot going on. Uh, but basically, this started with every January, we start the year with fasting and prayer. In fact, 21 days of fasting and prayer together. And that, that is a powerful time. We're going to continue to do that. Well, for a few years, we had done 21 days of prayer in the fall, not fasting, but just prayer. But over the, the course of the last few years, I, I really felt prompted and led by the Holy Spirit to just try something new. Uh, it, it, it's, it's not that the fall prayer time wasn't good that we were having. I just thought it felt too much like the spring. It felt too much like the same thing. And, 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 and not just that, but I wanted to create some corporate gatherings to pray and to chase after God's heart. And so I just sort of kind of settled into this idea. I felt like the Holy Spirit kind of gave me uh, sort of a plan for it. And, and the idea was this. What if we took a few days for a week and just really pressed hard after God together as a church in prayer and in worship and in word to prepare our hearts for what God wants to do through us this fall to, to minister to the body of Christ to build faith, that's really what Seek Week is all about. And so beginning next Sunday, uh, we're going to start three consecutive nights of services. Uh, they'll take place on Sunday night, on Monday night, and on Tuesday night. And before every service, and this is really the reason why we do this in the first place, before every service starts, we'll actually host a prayer service. So next Sunday night, our service will start at 6 p.m., but at 5 p.m., the prayer service will start. And this is a huge piece of this. In fact, the prayer portion or component is so, so, so important. And it's so important, in fact, that I want to talk about it for a few minutes today. As we prepare our hearts, 
I want to talk about what happens when a church starts to pray together. And honestly, this has been an incredible year so far. The church is growing. We're adding new people. God is expanding our territory. I have every reason to believe that this is going to be a historic fall for our church. But I also know this, that one of the things that makes a difference is not just when we pray privately and when we have a personal prayer time, but when we corporately begin to pray as a church. We, we've talked a lot about the tabernacle uh, this year. In fact, I, I did a whole message at the early uh, in the year about the tabernacle and laid it out for you, and I've talked about it several times, the establishment of worship by God to the Israelites in Scripture. And I want to lay groundwork for where I really felt like the Holy Spirit led me uh, this week, um, and I, I want to teach a particular passage of Scripture for just a couple of minutes, and then and then we'll move into really the meat of what I want to talk about today. This is in Exodus uh, chapter 33. It says, it was Moses' practice to take the tent of meeting and set it up some distance from the camp. So everyone who wanted to make a request to the Lord would go to the tent meeting outside of the camp, and whenever Moses went out to the tent of meeting, you have to imagine this for just a moment, all the people would get up and they would stand at the entrances of their own tents as Moses would leave and go out into this area outside the camp into the tent of the meeting. They would all stand up and, and stand kind of at attention, so to speak, as he would go out. And they would all watch Moses until he disappeared inside. And as he went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and hover at its entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. And so what we learn here is that Moses had this tent that he would go into. And it's in this tent that he would privately meet with God. It was a personal tent. It was set up outside the camp, and there he would talk with God. It says a few verses later that he would actually meet with God face to face. And it was this powerful time in his life. And I would just say this to you, that, that I think that every person needs this in their life. It was personal, and every single one of us can have this in our life, a personal time with God. We need these personal times with God. We need quiet times, and we need devotional times, and we need prayer times. We need times where we lean in to the Lord, just, just us. But then there's this other meeting that would begin to take place, and it was a corporate meeting. It's where the community would come, and they would all worship and seek the Lord together. In fact, we see evidence of this just a few chapters later in Exodus 35. Let me show this to you. It says, so the whole community of Israel left Moses and returned to their tent. So this implies that they were at one point all with Moses and now going back. All whose hearts were stirred and whose spirits were moved came and brought their sacred offerings to the Lord. So here we see that God wasn't just relegated to their own personal tents, but also a corporate meeting at the tabernacle. And, and there together, powerful things would happen. When you, when you read through the Old Testament, you see the glory of the Lord appears to them. Several times it's accompanied, or he's accompanied by fire. And we don't have time to look at every single example of this, but, but let me just show you this one in Scripture. It says, Then the cloud covered the tabernacle, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And as you read on, you see that the glory of the Lord was so powerfully present that there were times that Moses couldn't even go in. 
Now, I, I don't know what that means or, 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 or I don't know what, what, you know what it felt like, but, but here you have a man that has eaten a meal with God. He has seen God face to face. He has seen his glory. And, and in the glory of the Lord, this gathering of God's presence among them is so great that he can't even go into the room. Powerful, powerful stuff. Go forward into, or go backwards in Leviticus or forward in Leviticus 9. It says, then Moses and Aaron went into the tent of the meeting and when they came back out, they blessed the people again and the glory of the Lord appeared to the whole community. I want you to think about this for just a moment. Fire blazed forth from the Lord's presence and consumed the burnt offerings and the fat on the altar. And when the people saw this, they shouted with joy and they fell face down on the ground. Now, we don't know whether they just fell forward like in worship or whether they literally, bang, hit the ground. Like, boom, passed out. We don't know exactly what happens, how it happens. But we do know that as they begin to gather, God begins to move among them. And the glory of the Lord was there and present in that place. Both tents involving the presence of, of God. Both important in the life of Israel. And I think what I'm just trying to start this morning by saying is that yes, you need personal prayer time, and we've talked about that, how important that is. But you also need these corporate moments of prayer. You need times where God's people can gather together, and when they gather, I believe they will experience the presence and the glory of the Lord. And that's what I want for our church in this season. I want us to experience the power and the presence of God in such a way that people leave here and they say, I don't know about anything else, but I know that I was in the presence of Almighty God. You need times like that. You need times where God's people can gather together and experience the glory of the Lord. A while back, I invited online some people to join us at church and someone you know in the comment section commented back you don't you just need Jesus you don't need a church and I will tell you that this thought has become more prevalent more common in, in our day today usually by people that are that are hurt or frustrated with church so all you need all you need is a relationship with God that's all you need but I'm here to tell you today that that's just the start of what you need because you need God's people. Amen? You need the corporate experience of gathering with other believers. And I want you to consider for a moment the value, I mean the real value, of what happens when God's people gather together and pray. I can't explain it, but there have been Sometimes in my life where I've been in some environments in a corporate setting where God's presence was so strong. I, I've been in places where I, I stepped out of, of the lobby. Maybe I was running late or maybe I was with a group of people, I don't know. But I stepped into a room where people were praying. 
And God's presence was so tangible and so strong. It was like palatable. It was intense. Like I knew, I just stepped into something. I stepped into a room where I felt the Holy Spirit moving. One of the things I've been wrestling with God about is how do we create atmospheres where we can receive more of his power for our church? Now, I'm very sensitive to this because I want us to be what I consider to be a two-armed church. Because I've been in many presence-driven churches that if we're just honest, it was void of Bible teaching and it was, it was void of people hungry for the word in their daily life. It's not that they didn't love God. They just, they just had come to the point where they valued presence. They valued corporate experience. But they did it absent of that, of that other tent in their life. And so they had one arm. And then I've been in churches and been in atmospheres where they valued the personal time. They valued like the word of God. But, but these moments of prayer corporately or these, these moments were the manifestation of God's presence, you know. And so it's just been the, it's been the cry of my heart. Like, God, help me to teach the Bible and then to teach people these, these individual experiences and these corporate experiences, this, this two-armed approach, this both devotional and emotional side of coming into the presence of God. And as I've asked the Lord about this, I've had this sense that he's been pushing me on the importance of prayer for our church. But I have to tell you this, that if I'm just honest with you, that although we have these tools, the truth is that prayer meetings often aren't the ones that are well attended. That's not just here, that's true across America, where revivals are sought after, but prayer rooms across churches go mostly empty. And as a result, whenever there is no corporate prayer, People get taught about prayer, but they don't catch it. They don't, they don't see examples. They don't know how to pray because they've never been in an environment, never been in an experience, never been around people that pray. I remember this past summer in preparation for our camps, our team, we had talked last year in, in several meetings about needing to teach students and kids the importance of learning how to pray. It's not that they don't understand that prayer is important. It's just that whenever they get in their own personal time, they don't know how. They don't know what prayer looks like. And, and so we asked Pastor Kevin, who leads our camp, by the way, he'll be here in October this year. I asked Kevin, I said, would, they said, would you, just, would you just get up and start teaching kids how to pray? Let them see it. And so the very first morning of our camp, very intentionally, we just, we took time where where literally PK got on his knees and he began to pray. And we just had prayer meeting that morning because we needed kids to witness and to watch and to see with their own eyeballs that this is what prayer looks like. And it can be with your personality and it can be with your spirit, but we need a whole generation to catch it. And they can't catch it if prayer rooms are mostly empty. I didn't learn how to pray because I heard it taught in a classroom. I didn't learn how to pray because I, I heard somebody stand up here on the stage and teach about prayer. I learned how to pray because, as I told you a few weeks ago, I would walk with my dad and I would listen to him as he walked back and forth across the room and he would pray and I would watch and I would observe and I would listen. And that's what we're going to do at Seek Week. Very, very calculated corporate prayer meetings, and prayer gatherings for our church. And this is what I believe, that as we begin to pray 
We will experience an outpouring of souls and we will experience an outpouring of the supernatural in our church. Why? Because of this. Prayer always precedes power, everybody. If we want the power, then the prayer has to precede it. And it can't be 10 people praying. It can't be 20 people praying. It can't be 40 people praying. They can't carry the load of prayer by themselves. It has to be all of us. Of course, that doesn't mean that God won't move. But I'm telling you, prayer brings another level. Prayer brings another dimension. I want you to go, if you have your own Bible today, go to the book of Acts chapter 12. We're going to pretty much spend the entire rest of our time there this morning. When you look at the book of Acts, that very early church, that first church, what you note is that when the church prays, power starts to take place and God starts to move. What you see is a group of disciples that after Jesus has ascended and gone to heaven, they're so committed to prayer. And because they are committed to prayer, God begins to do powerful things. In fact, the church was actually birthed out of a prayer meeting. And when they get in trouble, what we start to see in Scripture is they start to pray. And when they pray... God begins to move. I want to go to Acts 12. I'm going to read. We're going to kind of go through this chapter for just a couple of minutes today and just look at this amazing, amazing testimony of what starts to happen when the church starts to pray. I want you to look at this. This is Acts chapter 12, verses 1. It says this, About that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. He had the apostle James, which is John's brother, killed with the sword. And when Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. This took place during the Passover celebration. Now, I want to make sure that I pause for just a second and make sure that you understand which Herod is being mentioned here. Because Herod is often mentioned in the scripture, but there are three different ones that are mentioned in the New Testament. I, th I think there's four in total. So the very first one, this isn't in your notes, but you can write it if you want to. The very first one is Herod the Great. And Herod the Great was there when Jesus was born. Herod the Great was responsible for the slaughter of all of the firstborn males uh, to try to kill baby Jesus. Uh, and Herod the Great was insane. If you read about his life, he, he killed his own family, killed sons that he was suspicious of. I mean, he was a horrible, horrible man. Then uh, following him, there's a man named Herod Antipas. Right? Herod Antipas is one of the surviving sons of Herod the Great, who was the monster. Herod Antipas is the one that killed John the Baptist. He's also the Herod that interviewed Jesus. Uh, Pilate sent him to Herod, and, and remember, Jesus says nothing uh, to that Herod. And then there's this Herod that we're seeing, okay? And this is Herod Agrippa. Now, something interesting to note here, Herod Agrippa is the grandson of Herod the Great. His dad is one of Herod the Great's sons that he killed, that he executed, okay? And, and when his father was killed, when Agrippa's father was killed, he was sent to Rome and he was educated with the nobility of Rome. And while he's there, he becomes good friends with a man named Caligula. That's important because Caligula would eventually become a Roman emperor. And Herod Agrippa was wild. He ran up a lot of debts. Uh, he said a lot of things hastily. He was very arrogant. At one point, he tells, uh, uh, he tells um, this, this young man, he says, I wish Tiberius, your uncle, was an emperor. I wish that you were emperor. 
And somebody tells Tiberius this, that, that he just told this to him. And, and, and so Agrippa is thrown into prison. And he sits in prison for, for six months. The only reason that he gets out is because Tiberius dies and Caligula becomes the new Roman emperor. And when Caligula becomes the new Roman emperor, he removes Agrippa from prison and then gives him a necklace that weighed as much in gold as his prison chains did. He makes Agrippa king over Palestine. And so here is Agrippa, not well liked in Rome, and he finds it best to keep the peace. How do you keep the peace? You keep the Jews happy. How do you keep the Jews happy? You stamp out the church. And so when Acts 3 is here, this is why if you don't understand this and you don't have any context of this, then you really don't even understand what you're reading. That when Herod saw how much it pleased the Jewish people, he arrested Peter. So he's beheaded James, and now he's arrested Peter. He doesn't even really care, but it's making the Jews happy. It's making leadership happy, and so everything's at peace and keeps him in, uh, in position in the kingdom. And that sets the stage for this next part that I've been building to this entire time. This is in Acts 12, and it says this. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayers for him was made to God by the church. And I want you to see this today. It wasn't, hey, I'll be praying for you, bro. Come on, you ever said that to somebody? I'll be praying for you this week. Nothing. This was intense, tenacious, earnest prayers. This, this, these were storming heaven's gates kind of prayers. Help Peter, oh God. And that verse sets the stage for three things that I want you to notice today. The first is this, that when the church prays, when the church prays, miracles begin to happen. When the church prays, I want you to hear me tell you this today, that the miraculous gets unlocked. That there's something that happens when we get alone with God in our personal lives, but then there's a whole other thing that happens that when the church begins to come together corporately and begins to pray together. The church praying is a powerful thing. When the church starts to pray, miracles start to happen. I want you to watch this, that the church is praying in verse 5. And here in just a moment, I'm going to show you what happens in verse 6. Because anytime the church prays, people are set free. Anytime they pray, angels are at work. Anytime they pray, God works. People are set free. Forces of darkness are driven back off the lives of people when the church begins to pray. It says this, when Herod was about to bring him out, on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and centuries before the door were guarding the prison. And, and I love this, by the way, that, that Peter is probably going to die the next day. And he's going to be killed. And what would you be doing if you knew that the next morning you were probably going to be brought before Herod and, you know, your life ended? <laughs> Peter's just out. <laughs> he's just sleeping. He's got chains on him. He's got men around him. He doesn't care. Just... He's over in the corner. It's a, listen to me. It's an amazing picture of the peace of God. It's amazing how when you set your mind on the things of God and when you let God begin to come into your life, he can give you peace in circumstances that you didn't know you could have peace in. 
And it continues in Acts 12. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him. And a light shone in the cell. And I want you to think about this. That he's out and he struck Peter on the side. Hey. Peter. Get up. And woke him saying, get up quickly. And the chains fall off his hands. And the angel said to him, dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. And he did not know that what was being done by the angel was real. He thought he was seeing a vision. This man thinks he's dreaming. Listen to me, when the church prays, things begin to happen in our midst that, can, that make what can happen in a dream actually become real, everybody. And then it says this, check this out. And when they had passed the first and the second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city and it opened for them on its own accord. And they went out and immediately along one street, the angel left him. This is the first remote control gate in the history of humanity. God took his gate opener in heaven and said, click. They're walking by guards who don't see them. Gates are opening. This is like some Marvel superhero kind of stuff that's happening here. Like I just, I want to pause for a second and say, if you're not careful, you can, if you're going too fast, you can actually read past miracle after miracle after miracle and totally miss it. And all of this is happening as a result of the church praying. Look what happens next. It says, when Peter came to himself and comes, now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. When we pray, miracles can happen, everybody. I believe the sick can be healed. I believe that wars can be turned. I believe that weather can be changed. I believe that marriages can be restored. And this is what I want for Heartland Church. I want us to see miracles in our lives. Lives changed because of the gospel of when people are praying. I'm here to tell you, you ask, can it happen? It can happen if the church prays. On Tuesday night of Seek Week, we have David and Nicole Binion coming, which if you don't know who they are, amazing pastors in the area, but their first gift is worship. And they just have this anointing on their life to flow and worship. And I told our team, for Tuesday night this year, instead of a regular service, after we pray, we're going to go into worship, and then we're just going to pray for the supernatural. We're going to spend time praying. We're going to pray for miracles. We're going to pray for people's lives to be changed. Like, we're just going to go through. I have a whole gamut of things in my mind that I'm asking God. And, I, and I'm praying, and I'm saying, Lord, would you do the supernatural in our church? Would we be able to hear the testimonies of your faithfulness and how you're moving? Lord, would you let the, the power of God sweep through this place? And I'm telling you, I want God to move in our midst, and I want reports of the supernatural. Now, this part of the text is so funny to me. I want, I want to read it to you. It says, when he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name uh, was Mark. And I want you to notice, where many were gathered together and were praying, and when he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. Recognizing Peter's voice in her joy, she didn't even open the gate. She ran and reported Peter standing at the gate. 
So I want you to imagine for just a second, all the believers are inside praying, God, we pray right now for Peter. We're asking, Lord, that you move powerfully, that you do the supernatural, that you get. Here comes Rhoda. Rhoda comes to the door. Hello, it's me, Peter. Ah! Ah! Runs in. She runs into the church and she starts yelling, God, you guys don't understand. Like they're having a prayer meeting. They're saying, God, set Peter free. A girl runs in. Guess what, y'all? Peter's free. And I want you to look at their reaction. This is amazing. They said to her, you are out of your mind. <laughs> Father, set Peter free, Lord God. Do the supernatural. It's Peter. You're crazy. Can I just say that times haven't changed. You ever prayed and been shocked when God actually answered? Rhoda, stop. Rhoda, this is a joke. Rhoda, quit this. If you don't stop this, we're going to make you Rhoda kill, okay? I don't, I don't care if you boo me. I don't care. It's like, wait a second. You mean prayer worked? Who is this? This is the apostles. This is the first church. We think these people were so much smarter than us, so much more spiritual than us. No. They probably knew things because they had been with Jesus. Like, let's not get it wrong. But I want you to know they were humans just like we're humans. And it goes on to say this. It says, but Peter continued knocking because he got left at the door because everybody's freaking out inside. And when they opened, they saw him, and they're amazed. But motioning with their, with, uh, to them with his hand to be silent, he described how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, tell these things to James and to the brothers. And then he departed and went into another place. I believe that when we start to pray, angels will be at work. In the rooms and the places that we're praying for. And that when we start to pray corporately, if we'll take it serious, people will be set free from all sorts of things. This is a tangible picture of the things that happen when the church starts to pray. But that's not all that God does. He doesn't just do the miraculous because I believe that when the church prays, God does more than we ask. Here, here's one of the mysteries of prayer. That as we're praying... God works in response in ways that actually go beyond our prayer. And, and here's, here's part of the reason why. Because as we're praying for God's kingdom and God's power and God's will to be done, and because he's so great, he does things beyond our prayers. We see scriptural backing for this all throughout the Bible. Let me just show you an example, Ephesians 3. Now to him, come on everybody say it with me, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or even imagine according to his power that is in work with us. So, so we're praying and imagining God moving, but he does more than we can comprehend and he does more than we could ever measure. He loves to do more. After Peter is freed from prison, Herod Agrippa starts interviewing the guards. And they don't know what happened, poor guys. 
Like, what happened? We don't know. He was here, and then he wasn't, and so Agrippa executes them. Then the next verse, it flashes forward, and now Herod is in a different situation. He's involved in a trade dispute between two nations, and they're trying to impress him, and so he shows up, and when he shows up, he's wearing this silver robe, and as the sun hits it, it's like popping, and and, and they start carrying on. They're sucking up to Herod. How great he is. They say, oh, this is the voice of a god. This is not the voice of a man. And they start ascribing deity to him. And he doesn't stop it. And in this verse, in in Acts 12, 23, it says, Immediately an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give God the glory. And he was eaten by worms and he breathed his last. I want you to note that at the beginning of the chapter, Herod is the problem. Herod is persecuting the church. And at the end of the chapter, the persecutor is dead. Now I want you to notice, the church didn't pray for him to die. There's no record that they prayed for him to die. All they prayed was for Peter to be freed. But God does more. God does more. I want you to know something today. When you pray, there are 10,000 things that you don't know anything about, but your God does. And he's working in your life supernaturally. And because he does, when you pray, he will give you exceedingly and abundantly more than you could ever ask or think of or imagine. And what we learn is simply this, that when we turn our attention to God's business, he just has this way of taking care of our business. Where's that in the scripture, Pastor Dusty? That sounds nice. Well, actually, Jesus told us that. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Everybody say it with me. And all these things will be added unto you. Take care of my business and I'll take care of you. Can I just tell you, some of us make tactical errors. We just focus on our business way too much. God, I just need energy right now. You're trying to conserve energy. Let me tell you, he gives you energy if you care about his business and his kingdom. When the church prays, miracles happen. When the church prays, God does more than we could ever ask or think of or imagine. And here's the last one. It's this, that when the church prays, the church grows. I want to show you a verse in scripture today. This is Acts 12. By the way, you start seeing this all throughout the book of Acts. But the word of God increased and multiplied. Let me show it to you in the message translation. It says, meanwhile, the ministry of God's word grew by leaps and bounds. And the ministry of the Lord is going forth in such power. And in the very next chapter, the church is praying and fasting again. And you know what happens in that chapter? Saul and Barnabas get set apart. Saul, who would eventually become Paul. The church is fasting. The church is praying. And God brings Paul into the equation. Why is that important? Well, if if the apostle Paul isn't set apart, Europe doesn't get the gospel. If Europe doesn't get the gospel, you don't hear the gospel sitting in this room today and you're in darkness. But the gospel advances because the church prayed. Come on and clap your hands all over the room today and thank God for it. When the church prays, 
God moves in a powerful way. It's incredible. It's overwhelming when the church prays. I was thinking about this a couple weeks ago when I was on that airplane writing this message. People don't know this, but the secret behind our reveal conference for students is years and years and years ago it was built on prayer. And before every conference, our, our core team will gather, then our, our kids gather, then all of our leaders and our kids gather. I remember one of our precious intercessors, Catherine, coming up to me years ago saying, we've got to assign people. We were praying. She said, we've got to assign people not just pray to lead up to the conference, but during it. And I remember in those early years, Kendra, we'd have people assigned all over the building. And while worship is going on and while teenagers are down at the front, I'm looking and there's adults that are up at the top, people that are just praying and asking God for his presence, asking for a manifestation of God's presence. And I'm just, frankly, even to this day, I'm still blown away by it. I've been blown away by how God moves every year in this environment. Every year. It, it, I'll go into another city or I'll go preach somewhere. I'll go to a pastor's event. Guys will come up to me and they'll say, I've heard about how God moves at your conference. People have told me how God's presence is so strong. And it, and it makes zero sense in my mind. Like, I need you to understand that churches our size don't have student conferences that are bigger than our weekend attendance. But I want you to know something what prayer does. Prayer marks movements. Prayer marks miracles. Prayer marks influence. Prayer marks it. And if you ask me right now, what is the single biggest thing that HC, that we as a church, have got to grow in? It's this. Like, this is the thing. It's that prayer. And I just, man, I believe this so powerfully. That when we get serious about prayer... We will experience God's supernatural presence like we have never experienced it in this church. And what God does in the church, listen to me, he does in your life. Like I want you to know he repays you for the time that you spend in prayer. Some people are like, well, I don't have time to pray. I've got so much going on in my life and if you just knew all the things, I'm so busy. You know, Martin Luther is on record in saying, I have so much to do that I must spend the first three hours in prayer. See, Martin Luther had this reversed. Because he was so busy, he recognized that he had to pray. Why? Because prayer opened up the avenue for everything else. And I want to say this to you today. I know you're busy. I know that you're very stretched. I know you have a lot going on. But I need you to hear me tell you this today, that God repays you. When you spend time with him in prayer, he, it, I don't know how he does it. He gives hours to the day. He opens up windows. He opens up doors for the supernatural. It's so important. It's so important. It's most important. And I pray for a day when the prayer meetings are bigger than the weekend gatherings. And I just feel this so strongly right now that there's something amazing that God is going to do in this church through prayers that will blow our minds. 
if the church will pray. I believe that prayer can usher in a new season. I believe that it can usher in a new breakthrough for our church. I'm gonna, I told our team that I just needed to feel this moment and because I felt like God was gonna do something this morning, I just have no idea what it looks like. And I wanna do something right now. Chris, I want you to come today. I saw you down here. Rayo, come here for just a second. Chris, yeah, come here, come here, come here, come here. I want a couple of our prayer team, or just a couple of our pastors or whoever to come. I saw you up there today and the Holy Spirit just spoke to me. You don't know this, but Chris's wife has been battling cancer. Been in chemo, and I'm not saying this to embarrass you or her, but I just felt the Holy Spirit speak to me and say, we're gonna believe for the supernatural for her life and for breakthrough in the name of Jesus. Thank you. I want you to stand. Will you stand with me all over the room right now? This Tuesday night, we're gonna pray I'm sorry, next Tuesday night, we're going to pray together for the supernatural and for breakthrough. But man, I just... Over Sugi right now, Father, we declare a breakthrough in her body. That that cancer will shrivel up and die because the church is praying right now. We ask God right now for the supernatural. We have faith for the testimony of your believers whenever we get into an atmosphere of prayer. That as we earnestly seek and as we earnestly pray, that you will move in her life in such a powerful way. Father, I pray for this man right now has bore the weight of so much of this, I ask for the strength of the Holy Spirit to come upon him right now. I speak healing over her body and I declare the miracles in this place today as we begin to pray. Hallelujah, Holy Spirit. We thank you for it. You're a good man. God sees the prayer and the toil, all you've been through and you've You've done it with joy. You've done it. But I want you to know that because you've cared about what God cares about, I've seen you be so faithful in this season. You've cared about what God cares about. I want you to know he cares about what you care about. And I love you, brother. You're a good man. Thank you. Hallelujah. We just lean into him right now. I mean, I feel the power of the Holy Spirit in this place. Hallelujah, Jesus. How many of you are hungry for God's presence to move on your family and you're hungry for him to move in our community and hungry to move for in, our, in our state and in our nation? Man, I'm so hungry for it. And I just, not only at Seek Week, but I wonder, can we just do this for just a moment today? I've talked to you a couple weeks ago about the power of altars. And can we just prepare our hearts for just a moment right now for what God wants to begin to do? Even this whole week, I'm asking that you begin to do this. But every week I ask God, like, okay, if I'm done, does that mean that you're done? 
and I just don't believe he's done right now. I, I believe, like this verse, when I read it, it stirred my faith. And when faith gets stirred, God begins to move. And some of you, you don't need to wait a, a week. You need God's spirit to be poured out in your life right now. Like, God, I can't wait, you know, until a week from Tuesday. I need your spirit now. I need your presence now. I, I need you to move in my life now. I need you to move in my family and in my children now. I need you now. And if that's you today and you, you just, we're just going to make room for it today, for him to move in this place and you just, I think more than anything, just come and seek. Can we pray together for just a couple of minutes? Can we just seek after him? Whether you're standing or you're sitting or you're kneeling or whatever that looks like, can we just make room for God's presence in this place today? If that's you, I want you to step out today and just come and join me. Like, let's, let's create an altar right now where our whole church is just gathering. And you can stay if you want to. I don't want to make you feel uncomfortable, but can we just gather and seek after him today? I'm telling you, people are in need of the presence of the Holy Spirit right now in need of his move and in his touch we thank you for it God in the name of Jesus do a powerful work right now oh I sense the desperation in need of God to touch you and in need of God to move in your life we're just making room right now Holy Spirit do what only you can do and as the church begins to pray there is freedom in the name there is healing in the name there is power in the name, salvation in the name. There is life in the name. There is no other name but Jesus. There is freedom in the name. There is healing in the name. There is power in the name, salvation in the name. There is life in the name. There is no other name but Jesus, Jesus. There is freedom in the name. There is healing in the name. There is Salvation in the name, there is life in the name, there is no other name but Jesus, Jesus. There is freedom in the name, there is healing in the name, there is power in the name. Salvation
salvation in the name. There is life in the name. There is no other name but Jesus. I want you just to lift your voice all over this room right now. And I know some of you have never been in an atmosphere like this before. But we're just going to begin to pray. Like right now, we're praying for, it's like, what are we praying for? We're praying that God would begin to do the supernatural in our church. We're praying that families would be restored and lives would be restored and marriages would be restored. Hope would be restored. Peoples would be restored. Like whatever it looks like. And I'm telling you, like when the church prays, God begins to move. But the church has got to have a tenacity of prayer, a boldness of prayer, a passion of prayer. And so, Father, right now across this room, we, we begin to lift our voices right now. As a people of prayer right now, we, we seek after you, Holy Spirit. We ask right now that, that as we begin to chase after you, you would move in our midst. And Lord, what we really need is your presence. What we really need is you. Because when we have you, you meet everything else. You meet all of our personal needs. You help us with everything else that we face. And so we need you today. We need you for our families. We need you for our communities, God. We need you for our schools. We need you for our children. Oh, Holy Spirit, we're asking right now for a restoration to take place in marriages right now. I pray right now, Lord Jesus, for every marriage that's fractured or hurting or broken right now that needs the power of Jesus to come through in their life. I'm asking that husbands' hearts would start to become pliable, that they would get in the word and begin to seek after you with everything that they have. I'm praying for women right now, Lord Jesus, who would listen to the quickening of the Holy Spirit right now. And they would, they would be submitted to the word of God. They would be submitted to the heart of God. And that the, the, the enemy's plans would be thwarted off of them right now. Lord, we're praying for every sickness in this room. We're praying that it's broken off in the name of Jesus. We're praying right now for cancers to disappear, God. We're praying for people to be restored, Lord Jesus. Those even watching by television right now or on their phones, we're asking for breakthrough in their lives right now. We're asking right now that you go and you, you be with mental illness or anxiety or despair, Lord Jesus, or loneliness. God, break off the crippling things that are facing them today and do what only you can do in this room. We love you and we lean into more of your presence today. I'm believing that you're gonna fill people's cups. I'm believing that you're gonna fill their hearts. Oh, we're asking for it, Lord Jesus. There is power in the name, salvation oh, in the name. There is life in the name. There is no other name but Jesus, Jesus. There is freedom in the name. There is healing in the name. There is power in the name. Salvation in the name. There is life in the name. There is no other name but Jesus, Jesus. There is freedom in the name. There is healing in the name. There is power in the name. Salvation in the name. There is life in the name. 
There is no other name but Jesus. 